Good evening, Kim Keeks family. We're so glad that you're able to be with us tonight. Uh, we're here still in a season of lockdown here in Israel, and I'm coming to you tonight from my home. And I'm so thankful that we have this technology that we can still connect with you through the internet and connect with our community here in Israel. And we know that every week we have more than 25 nations that join us from around the globe. And we're so glad that you're able to connect with us as well through our YouTube channel, through Facebook, and also through our Kings Community Live channel. So thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, I just want to remind you that we're continuing, we're actually finishing up this week our 21 days of prayer. Uh, for 21 days, different leaders and members of our community are leading different prayer topics. And we felt this was very important in this season. It starts at 9 a.m. Israel Standard Time on Facebook every morning. And if you haven't had the chance yet to, to join us for that, we hope that you will in these remaining few days of that campaign. So please do. And tonight we're going to continue on in a series that Pastor Chad began two weeks ago uh, called Life Behind the Shield. And we're walking through the letter of Peter, it's the book of First Peter, but the letter that First Peter wrote, um, that Peter wrote called First Peter, excuse me, and we've been walking through this passage, and Pastor Chad began uh, two weeks ago, and then Pastor Wayne continued last week, finishing up chapter one, and tonight we're going to continue and pick up in First Peter chapter two. So if you go to your devices, your Bible, whatever you're going to be using as your source for the Word of God tonight, and turn with me to First Peter chapter 2, we'll get started and look at our passage beginning in verse 1. And it says this, and I'll read it for you. Uh, so rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation. Since you have tasted that the Lord is good, coming to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen invaluable to God. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua, the Messiah. And then uh, Peter continues in verse 6 with a reference to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. And he says this, Look, I lay in Zion a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in Him will never be put to shame. And as we look at this passage as a whole, Peter gives us some beautiful symbolic imagery here of this idea of a cornerstone and a, and a spiritual house that's being built of living stones. And we're going to look at that a bit tonight. And he references this imagery coming from, as we said, Isaiah 28, 16, and also from Psalm 18, 22, regarding this cornerstone, this idea of a cornerstone that is rejected by men, but chosen by God. Now, typically, cornerstones, if you think about history, cornerstones were the first stones to be laid in a construction of a new building. It was the first stone that was put down. And, and historically, in ancient history, there was often great celebrations. These were uh, ceremonies and grand events when they would lay a cornerstone for a, an important building or something that was ceremonially important. And so these were, these were times of festivals and celebrations. And Peter references this same interesting, I found this very interesting, he references the same imagery in his defense before the Jewish rulers in Jerusalem that's recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 11. Let me give you a little kind of background as to what was happening in the story. We looked at this a few, about a month or two ago. It's the story of Peter and John 
going into the temple complex, and on their way, they come to a, a man that had been lame from birth that's begging there at the gates to the temple complex. And Peter says to him, listen, what do you want from us? And he says, neither silver or gold do I have, but what I have, I'll give to you. And he tells him, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man is healed, and this starts to draw a crown. And Peter and John continue in the temple, and, and they're teaching, and they're talking, and then they're met by um, the Jewish leaders, and they're arrested, and they're brought before a full council of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, and they ask Peter and John, by what power or what name have you done this? Have you healed this lame man? And Peter begins to explain to them that this, this man, this lame man, was healed in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Nazarene, whom they had crucified, but whom God had raised from the dead. And then he quotes this passage from Psalm 118.22, and he claims that this passage regarding a cornerstone that is rejected by men, but chosen by God, is actually speaking of Yeshua. Now, as I was looking at this, I was thinking, you know, was this just something that the Holy Spirit inspired? And Peter, and I believe the Holy Spirit did inspire it to his memory. But actually, if we look at this, Yeshua himself connected himself with these very scriptures. And it's recorded in actually all three of, what's well, recorded in three of the Gospels, in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. It's in Matthew 21, 42, Mark 12, 10, and Luke 20, verse 17. And it's interesting that in all three of these accounts, what's happening here is, is very similar to the, the story that we just talked about in Acts, that Yeshua is coming into the temple complex and he's being questioned by the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, and they're asking Yeshua, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? So almost the same question that's presented to Peter and John. And Yeshua ends, he, he talks to them about, uh, he questions them about uh, John the Baptist and his ministry. And he says, if, you, if you'll give me an answer to this, then I'll tell you by whose authority. And then he, he steps into a parable about a landowner. We looked at this parable a few months back uh, about a parable of a landowner that had given his land to tenant farmers. And he was sent his servants and then ultimately his son to collect what was his due payment for the property. And ultimately the, the, land, the tenant farmers end up killing his son and saying, let's take the inheritance. And Yeshua ends this parable by saying, haven't you read this scripture? And then he quotes Psalm 118, 22. He, he connects himself in a way to this imagery of a cornerstone that is rejected by men, but chosen by God. And I believe it's at that time in this story in Acts chapter 4, where Peter is being questioned with the same thing that the Holy Spirit brings back to Peter's memory the words of Yeshua, when he's being asked the same question, and, and he comes back to the same passage of Scripture, that it's a cornerstone that was rejected by men, but chosen by God. So, let's look back at our, our passage here, 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 4. Now, coming to him, Yeshua, a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God, you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua the Messiah. So the first part of this passage, he, he makes this point. Yeshua is 
a living stone that was rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. Let's just look at this a little bit more. He was rejected by men and he died, but he was raised to life by the power of God for God's purposes. He is that cornerstone, that most important stone, that first stone of something that God is building. And in fact, when I thought about this, the imagery, when you think about a cornerstone, it intersects two walls. So Yeshua as this first stone intersects and connects two walls. And I believe those two walls are the covenants that God made with the people of Israel throughout history to Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob and David. These covenants that God made of all, and it intersects with the person of Yeshua to the covenant that God makes with all humanity through the blood and through the death and the resurrection of Yeshua himself. These two things intersect and connect through the cornerstone of Yeshua. Everything builds out from him because he was first. He was before all things. He was placed first. And everything builds out from that central place, from him. And it builds up from him. It rests on his example. Yeshua is also a stone that cannot be moved. It talks about this. It says uh, that this stone would become a stumbling block because it can't be moved and it would actually crush those that try to to move it. And, And God has placed Yeshua in his position and he's placed him in this place as being a cornerstone for God's purpose and he will not be moved. Now, Peter, in his memory of this imagery and these words of Yeshua, I think he then extends in this passage, he extends this imagery to us, to those of us that have come and put our faith in Yeshua. And he continues in in verse 5, and he says this. Well, let me back up to verse 4. Coming to him, Yeshua, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God, you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house, for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua the Messiah. So we're being built. And I I want to look at this imagery. Paul takes this same imagery in his letter to the Ephesians. I want to read this to you from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning of verse 19. That's Ephesians 2, verse 19. Paul uses the same imagery and says it this way. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. He's speaking to Gentile believers here. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with the Messiah Yeshua himself as that cornerstone, as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows into a holy sanctuary of the Lord. You are also being put together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. So from these two passages, we we get some wonderful insights from this imagery about cornerstones and living stones being built into a building. We are being put together by Yeshua as a place for God's dwelling in His Spirit, or as Peter said, a spiritual house. And each stone is put in place by the design of God. We talk about this a lot here at King of Kings. God has a design. He has a purpose for each one of us. We have a destiny in Him. And God has a place for us in His plan for His creation. We have a place in this spiritual house that God is building. We have a place in His design. We are being built upon the foundation of Yeshua. He is that cornerstone, that first cornerstone that things build out from. 
And the apostles and the prophets that came out from that, they became a foundation that things were continuing to be built upon through their words, through their insights, through the things that they taught us. And that's filtered through, again, that cornerstone, the person of Yeshua. Now, going back to verse 1 of First Peter chapter 2, I want to just take a moment and, and ask the question, why is Peter so adamant about getting rid of all the malice, all the deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander? Why is he adamant about this? And I believe this is why. It's because in order for us to be built as a spiritual house, we have to be able to firmly rest on one another. We have to be able to sit like stones on one another. We can't do this if there is division and strife in the community. If you've been to Jerusalem and you've been to the temple tunnels and you see some of the large stones and how they're fitted together and how they sit on one another and how they support one another, God is building us and we have to be able to fit and rest upon one another as, as God continues to build this house. You know, as new people, as, as our lives become a, an example and as a testimony to people that would come to faith because of our testimony, then these stones continue to be built. Just as someone, I'm sure in your life and in my life, spoke truth to us and we came to faith being built upon their testimony in their life and their example and their encouragement to us. Now, the, the Greek verb in this verse 1, to rid or to put aside, is, is like someone removing a coat, like taking a coat off and laying it down. It's, it's, it's a tense. The tense of the verb indicates that this is a decisive act. It's something we have to make a decision to do. So to, to rid it, it's a decision we make to do. So he's saying, make a decision to put these things down. And then he goes through the list of words. He starts with malice. This is a word that implies all kinds of evil conduct, but it really speaks more to the intention or the desire to do evil. It's, it's really people looking for an opportunity to deceive or to do something evil. Then comes deceit. I, I found from uh, D.L. Moody, he said that deceit comes from actually from a fishing term to bait the hook, concealing or misrepresenting the truth. When I, when I put a worm on a hook to go fishing, I don't want the fish to see the hook. I want the fish to see the bait and to be attracted to it. I'm trying to, to conceal something because I have an intention. Then Peter moves to hypocrisy. This idea originated actually in the theater where actors spoke behind masks. It's acting in a dishonest way with the intention to deceive people. Then he goes to slander. Slander is false accusation, creating an accusation that benefits me, creating a false accusation towards someone else to bring them down so that I can be brought up. And then finally, envy. And this word in different places can, can, can be connected with jealousy, envy and jealousy. And I believe really these are some of the two ugliest things in our fallen nature as sinful humans. This envy and jealousy, they are rooted in the idea that there is something that I deserve that I'm not getting. There's something in so either I don't want you to have it because I deserve it and you have it and I don't and I don't want you to have it. It's really rooted in this idea that there's something that I deserve. And Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 says this. Listen to this. He says, envy or jealousy, some translations say, rots the bones. It's like an 
unseen disease that's eating away at the internal structure of the body. It's, it's unseen. It's inside the bones where you can't see and it's just eating away the structure, the, the support that holds the body upright. It's eating it away. It destroys the integrity of a person. It makes them unreliable. And in, in our context of the imagery we're looking at tonight as far as a building that's being bought, built upon stones that are being laid and built upon, it destroys the integrity of a person. They can't be built upon because of the integrity, their structure is being eaten away. And I believe the reason why Paul, or excuse me, the reason why Peter mentions these things and it's so important to him is that these things can destroy the integrity of the building, breaking it down from within. This is not an external issue. This is something that's happening on the inside. This is an inter internal conflict. This is, again, like a disease on the inside that just eats away and destroys the integrity of the building from the inside. It'd be almost like having termites inside of wood that just eat away at the integrity of the structure and make it unreliable, and it would have to be destroyed. All of these things that, that Peter lists, all of these different ideas are really self-centered actions. And really, here's the truth that we have to come to through all of this when we, when we consider why he's telling us to put these things aside. The truth is, this house that God is building, this spiritual house that, that God is putting together is not about me. It's not about you, but it's about God. It's about God's purpose and what God desires. So these things are all about me. It's all about what I want, and I have to be willing to put those things aside. We talked a few weeks ago about aligning our purposes with God's purposes. Rather than saying, God, this is what I want to do for you. God, I want to know what you're doing and how I can be a part of what you're doing in the earth. It's realigning our hearts, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I was thinking about this as a, as a kind of an example. Um, you know, when I we have three children and when we take a ride in the car, if the, the ride is more than five minutes long usually, at some point um, we have a mid-sized car and we have all of our three kids in the back. At some point someone eventually will say, oh, he's bugging me, he's in my space. Why does he get to do that? Why does she get to do that? And, and the argument, because again, the frustrations of what I want to starts to, to begin to present itself. And now this is taking place in the context of the bubble of our vehicle. This is not something that's happening coming into the vehicle from outside, but this is something that's happening again inside. This is an internal conflict. And so we have to be cognizant of these things. And, and this is how things happen. Uh, Pastor Chad told us in the opening of this series, he said, here's a word from 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, obedience. And he said, let's put this word over here because he said, this is the work that we have to do, obedience. And being obedient to God in this context, as Peter is encouraging us to lay these things aside, it's, it's like keeping weeds from a garden. It's work that needs to be continually done. So how do we do this? I want to share one idea with you tonight from Proverbs. I was reading this with my children this week. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. In Proverbs 20, verse, chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. 
Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. So guard a heart. You know, the, the writers in this time, they, they likened the heart to the seat of our emotions, where our emotions are contained and where they come from. And he's saying, guard that. Pay attention to it. Keep an eye on it. It's like I said, like tending weeds out of the garden. Pay attention. Don't allow it to cause your mouth to speak dishonestly or to let your lips speak deviously. But keep your eyes fixed forward. Keep them straight ahead. Carefully consider, think about the decisions. Take a step back and consider what you're about to do. And your ways will be firmly established. And as we consider that, we look to this cornerstone who we've given as an example, who was placed first, Yeshua. I want to come back to our, our text tonight, in 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, from verse 1. So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation. And listen to this. Since you have tasted that the Lord is good. In this process of guarding our hearts, I believe we have to be reminding ourselves every day of this truth that Paul or Peter comes back to right here. He says, be reminded because you have tasted the Lord is good and desire that milk that comes from him, the purity of what comes from him, the purity of his words, the purity of his truth, because you have tasted, you know what he's like. You know that he's good. You know that his intentions for you are good. Know that this is not about you. Know, but trust that his heart and his desire for you, where he wants to build you, where he wants to place you, is good. Too often I think we get caught up in comparing ourselves to the stones around us. But this is not about comparison. Our comparison, if we're going to look to something as a comparison, is the cornerstone, is Yeshua himself. That's what we have to be looking at. And we have to be reminding ourselves daily that we have tasted and we know that the Lord is good. There is no reason for us to be in conflict with one another. You see, God is at work in all of us. It is His house that's being built, and we are all part of His kingdom, His purpose and His destiny for each one of us is good. So I hope this encourages you tonight, and I hope you're reminded tonight that we have a sure cornerstone, and He will not be moved and we know that God's intentions for us are good. And we want to hold on to those things. And we want to guard our hearts as the proverb encouraged us. And we want to, as Peter said, to lay aside these things that would cause dissension or division amongst us. Things that would bring the focus to us. But we want to instead turn our eyes and our focus to Him. And keep our eyes fixed on His goodness and His love for us. I pray that this encourages you. Let me pray for us tonight as we close. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that indeed we have tasted your goodness. Lord, we have, we have sensed from you your heart and your desire, that your spirit is at work in us, that it's, it's working in us to align our hearts and our thinkings with your purposes. God, help us to tend those gardens which you've given us, Lord, to, to tend our emotions and our thoughts, Lord, to be fixed on you and your goodness and not to forget these things and to put aside those things that would cause us to question Put aside those things that would cause us 
to look at other people and say, how come? How come that? But to look at, God, you are good. What is it that you have for me? Where are you building me? What do you desire for me? And God, help us in that by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Give us the strength to live for you. Teach us your word each and every day, we pray. In Yeshua's name. Amen.